Welcome, and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. Trisha and I are coming up on 30 years of marriage uh, this summer, and as I'm teaching this week on Ephesians 5, which is about marriage, wouldn't you know, we might have a little conflict uh, this week. And so on Friday afternoon, uh, Trish and I went fishing. We do that a lot. We love to fish. It was great. We've moved up a, a notch on the adventure. We're trying kayak fishing now, okay, is what we're trying to do. But we were out Friday, and one thing you need to know about my bride is that anytime she gets a big fish, there is a dance of joy and there is much yelling and screaming, okay, is what happens. So I'm in the kayak about 100 yards down the bank, and all of a sudden, I hear it. I hear the yelling and screaming. I can see through the reeds that the dance of joy is going on, and I hear, bring the scale, bring the scale, bring the scale. So I have the scale. Another thing you need to know about my bride is she doesn't like to touch the fish, okay? So she takes this hook remover tool, grabs the fish by the lip, takes the needle nose pliers, pulls it out, and then throws it back in the water. That's kind of what happens. And so anyway, so I'm paddling like crazy with the scale. We have no idea how big this is. And I get to the bank, and I'm like, that's a big fish. We need, we need to weigh this thing. And so she says, hey, I'm gonna take my little tool, grab it by the mouth, and I'm just gonna kind of hand it to you slash toss it to you. Well, I'm in the kayak, and I'm, I see myself in the drink right, doing this. So I just said to her, I said, hey, the hook's still in the fish. Why don't you just take it on the line and swing it out here so I can take him off and I can weigh him? And she goes, no, I think my line will break. And I'm like, oh, it won't break. We're fine. Line breaks. Fish goes in the water. The look I got, okay, right there. Here's the great news. Okay, for some reason, the fish was stunned Okay, he fell in the water and he stayed right by the bank and didn't swim away. So Trisha takes her nice little tool. She grabs that thing by the back fin, lifts it up and had a four, four and a half pound bass is what we had for the day. But if we hadn't caught that fish and rescued that fish, it was gonna be 48 hours of conflict. Let me tell you, because that mattered. But for all of us, wherever we are in our marriages, and in our relationships, we have to work at this whole idea of oneness and living together. And so I just want you to know, Tom and Meg did a great job with their, with their story. And one of the things that was going on with them in their harder years was they didn't understand God's design for marriage. There's a lot of bad thinking, a lot of bad information out there, and they really didn't understand it. And that's Tom and Meg's relationship is a microcosm of what's happening in our church uh, at times, and also in our country, as our country continues to move away from God and things of truth, the core issue, I believe, okay, is that the family is not being the family that it's supposed to be. It doesn't understand God's design for marriage and family, and it's leading to us being attacked. So I would tell you there's an all-out assault in our country on the family, and it's coming in waves. Now, when I say that, I want to remind you that Ephesians 6 is coming. Okay, we tend to get mad and frustrated with people, 
okay, and parties and all that kind of stuff. Ephesians 6 next week is about to teach us that we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principles and um, principalities is what we fight against. So don't think angry at people, right? Think about there's an enemy that's attacking our families. But I don't have to convince you guys of these things. You know it, that we've got divorce, all kinds of violence, crime, our teenagers even here Got an email this week that was just devastating about some stuff going on with our teenagers. We've got selfish, prideful leaders running our country, gender confusion, there's no absolute truth. Social media is informing our worldview, and we're moving further and further away from God. And it's leading us towards a really disturbing place in the scripture, which is the book of Judges if you're familiar with it, there were cycles of violence and evil and sin that were happening in Judges. And then at the end, in Judges 21, 25, it says this. In those days, Israel had no king. There was no leadership, no servant leadership. And all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Is that not prophetic for our day? That feels to me like what is happening in our country. And so not only are we feeling it in our country, but we're feeling it in our body, in City Bridge, our church right here. I will just tell you just that the elders spend more time right now helping people think through marriage, troubled marriages. That's what takes up almost all, not almost all of our time, but it's probably the biggest percentage of our time working through marriage struggles and marriage issues, and it is a horrible weight. I will just tell you whenever those situations come to us and we've got to balance this, what I would say, this high call of God's marriage covenant with the safety and security of wives and husbands and, uh, and children and the, either the good thing or the bad thing is every situation gets its own file, Right? personalities are different, circumstances are different, things are different, and so it takes time and energy to move through that. Ask God for help because there's no formula for helping people work through that, and so it's real for us. We've got our teenagers that are hurting themselves and hurting others around us, and so it just takes a lot of time. So it's in our world and it's in our church. And so just before we move on, I just wanna tell you that, hey, that's, that's what the church is here for. Like when those situations pop up in your life or in your community group or with neighbors, hey, we wanna help. That's what the church does. It comes alongside each other and helps us do this. And so let's pray. Let's ask God as we look at his design for marriage to do a work in our heart so that we would get it right, God's design for marriage in our own lives and in our church, and then all of a sudden, what's gonna begin to happen in our nation is they're gonna look and they're gonna say, oh man, what's happening over there? I want some of that. And you're gonna get to tell them, all we're doing is we're just executing God's design for marriage. So let me pray for our time. Father, we just wanna come to you and we wanna say, would you change us? And would you change us by the power of your spirit using the word of God? We want to understand Father, the true meaning of this text and what it means to have God's, your design, Lord, for marriage and for family. So we submit ourselves to your word and ask that you would change us. We pray that in Jesus' name, 
Amen. Okay, so let me remind everybody where we are. We're in the book of Ephesians, and so the first three chapters, one through three, are uh, the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. There's only one command in all of those three chapters, and it's basically who you are in Christ. You're adopted, and you're chosen, and you're created for good workmanship, which God created beforehand for works that you should walk in. All of that is one through three, and then there's a change in four through six. And four through six becomes how do we live in Christ, okay? And it starts giving more and more commands. And today, we're in this passage right here of Ephesians 5, 21 through 6, 4, that's talking about, hey, harmony in three specific relationships, okay? Husbands and wives, fathers and children, and then next week, there's gonna be employers and employees. But that's what Paul's trying to do here is let's apply God's design for harmony and relationships to marriage and parenting and the workplace. And that's what's happening. And so let me just give you a real quick summary, can I? Here's what it says. Husbands, you act like Jesus. Wives, you act like Jesus. Fathers like Jesus, children like Jesus, and everything's gonna be fine. Okay, that's what it says. So can I pray and we're done? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's what it says but it's not that easy, right? I think we'd all raise our hands and just again, man, if we get this right, the change that can happen in our church and in our country would be unbelievable. So let's jump into uh, the passage. Let me frame the conversation first, if I can. I know that there are people here today that are in the midst of a divorce. I know there are friends that are here today that are divorced. I know as we talk about marriage and family that there's some single friends here that wanna be married. And we're gonna talk about family and marriage and it's gonna be hard for some of you to listen to Paul's instructions to the Ephesian church. We've got some parents here that are really good parents that have prodigal kids. And I just wanna tell you as we start and as we open the scriptures, this is one of those high call, safe place messages that Paul's gonna tell us what God's design for marriage is. But then I wanna come around, I wanna come behind that and under that, and I wanna tell you, we know that it's really hard and that people are struggling and we wanna help you and we love you. One of the themes of today's message is, is hey, if you're struggling in your marriage or parenting, raise your hand and let the church do what it does, which is come alongside and help you. And so unfortunately, some of you in this whole area of marriage, uh, as you've struggled, have been hurt by the church. Like I would tell you over the course of the last however many years that the church, the evangelical church in particular, has done a bad job of helping all of us understand God's design for marriage. And if you've been hurt by a church that either didn't step in quick enough or stepped in too soon, will you please forgive us? There have been situations at City Bridge where we've done that. We didn't step in early enough or we, or we stepped in too soon and God's plan wasn't, we, we didn't thwart God's plan, but we surely probably lengthened what God was up to in the midst of that. And so will you just forgive the church for bad teaching on this? And so today we're gonna spend some time and we're just gonna, we're gonna try to correct it. We're gonna try to think well about these relationships according to Ephesians chapter five. So let's jump in and let's read 5, 21 through 24. It says this. 
It says, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Now, my translations in ASB says be subject. Some of you may use ESV, NIV, the Net Bible, but it just says that submitting to one another is verse 21, out of reverence for Christ. So for whatever translation you use, we're gonna spend a little bit of time talking about what does this term mean? Be subject, submit, because this is the thing we have to get right for the rest of the passage to make sense. And so, first of all, I want you to know in this passage, Christ and the church are together six times and they are inseparable from each other in this passage. Anytime you see Christ, you see the church. Anytime you see church, you see Christ. And the reason that's in there is because that's communicating to us that this is the model. As we're explaining harmony in these relationships, we're looking to as Christ loved the church. He died for her sacrificially and the church willingly submits to the head, which is Christ. That's the model. It sits at the top of what we're talking about today. And so it gives us a beautiful picture, a beautiful illustration of how this passage gets framed. And so here's what I want you to understand this, the, the be subject, the submission, think willing surrender. Okay, when you read that passage, think willing surrender. Okay, and so it has nothing to do with a person's value or a person's identity. Nothing. When you see that, it has nothing. It is about the role of the husband and wife, of the father and the son, of the employer and employee. Okay, it's about the role. It's not about the rank. And this is the place where the church hasn't done a good job. And so think willing surrender. And there are other places. This is not new. Jesus taught this all over the place. Paul is just taking it, sending it to the Ephesians and saying, hey, apply this in these relationships that we wanna live in harmony on. And so we know that the character of God, the Trinity, is that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they live in a willing surrender to each other, right? We know that the Father is orchestrating the grand drama of life on earth and the universe, but we know that Jesus calls for the Spirit to come down. We know that Jesus says, whatever you say, Lord, I'm gonna do in John 5. So there's this incredible dance that happens in the character of God that gives us, again, a model for this willing surrender. And it's not new information. It happens all over the Scripture. Let's look, if we can, at Matthew 20, 24 through 28. And so this is when the disciples, 10 of the disciples got frustrated with the sons of thunder, James and John, who were the guys that were always wanting to be first, wanting to be in charge, wanting to be the boss. So it says, in here, um, yeah, it says, in hearing this, the 10 became indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, talking to the disciples, hey guys, that's the way it happens out there, let me tell you it happens as part of my team. 
Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So let me give you a little summary of this. He who is the head serves. Whoever is last will be first, and the greatest among you will be your servant. So I just wanna make sure we're really clear here. Jesus condemns over and over again in the scriptures overbearing authoritative control of people. All the time, in a number of different places. So when you see submission or be subject, that is not what that passage is talking about right there. And so one of the other important things about this is when we get into situations where, where we're trying to figure out and get aligned with our spouses or with our kids or whatever, one of the most important things we can learn is, hey, we, we've got to deliver it, the information, the communication, the conversation. We've got to deliver that well and humbly. And when we're on the other end, we've got to receive it humbly. That's the way this thing works, sacrificial willing surrender to this. And so I so want our church to get this right. So let's jump in to the instruction to the wives. I'm just gonna read that again, okay? Uh, wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. We can't read it enough. He himself being the savior of the body. For as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. And when you hear it, willing surrenders the term. And so ladies, I'm gonna give you three S's as a way for you to have some handles to walk out of here with. First of all, your first S is to submit, okay? And submit is that you are willingly surrendering to godly sacrificial leadership. That's your, that's your role. The second is to support and to help your husband, and to help him, respect him, to complete his role. And the third is to speak up. That's the third S for you. And we have so many wives here, okay, that are thriving under the role, the, the godly biblical sacrificial role of men in their homes. Hundreds I could show you. But I know, I know that our culture has turned that on its head and made it abusive and subversive, and that is not what the Lord is teaching here. And so one thing I want you to know today, guys, or today, wives, is just that you are obligated from the scripture to complete your husbands, okay, to be his helper. And so I'll just tell you our story. You heard Tom and Meg's where that coworker of Meg stepped in and just said to her, just said, hey, you're wrong. Tom's a good guy. Let me tell you our story. Okay, so I had been working in the business world and uh, Trish and I decided, this was really smart, decided to get married and change jobs where I made no money at the same time. Okay, so I went on staff with Young Life and I went into an area that was in trouble. Okay, we were in financial deficit. There was... I was the only staff, there weren't many leaders, one kid showed up to club one week, and so that's kinda where we were. And so 
I was working 60, 70, 80 hours thinking I'm the man and I am gonna pull this thing out of the ditch and be the, be the hero. That's one of my ditches personally. So I think I can do that stuff. And so we're at the five month mark of marriage and I walk into our master bedroom and Trisha's on the, the bed, on the corner of the bed crying. And I said, what's going on? And she goes, now she didn't use these words, but this was what was in her mind. Hey, preacher boy. I'm miserable in our marriage. And I am like, oh my gosh, here I am, this ordained guy that's supposed to be leading this ministry, and my wife is saying, I'm miserable in our marriage. And so that, just like that gal woke Meg up, that woke me up. Okay, and I am like, uh-oh, I have got some things amiss here. So we sat down and we started to work through how do we improve our marriage? And there's still things that we worked on in that season that are incredibly helpful and applicable to us today that we still do. But if my wife had not had the courage to look at me, this big 6'5", 250-pound guy, and say, I'm miserable, I wouldn't be here, I wouldn't have the family that I have, I wouldn't have had 20, 30 years of ministry because my wife, was courageous and understood God's design for wives to be a helper, a completer to their spouse. And so ladies, I'm just telling you, help your husbands. Be the helper that he needs to be all that God wants him to be. And it's not not for you to rule over him, okay, but to admonish faithfully in that if he's being unkind or if he's temper tantrum where he's not listening, and you could just gently how, man, I want us to have a great marriage. I know you do too. Man, let's talk about this. And so how you do that, again, is really important. And so I know that we have in our body right now some really hard marriages going on. And I, Meg and I were talking yesterday, kind of thinking through some of this, and I just said, hey, Meg, in that season when Tom was still kind of drinking and hanging out with his buddies, but he was a Christian, and you had these expectations. What did you do? I know there was conflict and chaos during, those, uh, during that season, and I mean, she gave me nuggets, okay, that I am about to give you. So if you're in the middle of a hard situation with a spouse, listen to these. One, there was a posture and a character, she would say, of patient perseverance, She was trusting that God was at work even when she couldn't see it. Secondly, whenever she felt like she had been wronged or they escalated, she went to her journal. Pages and pages and pages of journaling about, I'm mad, I'm angry, I'm frustrated that I don't deserve this, what does this look like? And she'd work that out before the Lord in her journal and then when her and Tom got ready to have a conversation, she was able to be reasonable right, and have a coherent conversation instead of escalating. And she didn't get sucked into that escalation. So those are two or three things, if you're in a hard marriage, that would be really helpful. It was really helpful for me early in Trish and I's marriages. I would get up, be frustrated with something uh, with us, and I'd get up and I would just write and journal what was going on. And so one of the other things that Meg told me, she said, so she is part of the team that listens to our messages as we kind of build them. And she said, hey, Kyle, go tell the women to go easy on the men. 
Okay, and so I just wanna tell you, guys, we are an, in, ladies, we're an insecure bunch, okay? And we get our feelings hurt really easy. And so if you're doing what Meg has now confessed, trying to control and to train us in the way that we should go, uh, it's not helpful, okay? And so if your husband is trying even little steps, man, encourage him because your words mean so much to your husband, so much, because we are an insecure bunch. So let me give you wives, let me give you some questions just to think about, hopefully, as you walk out of here this week uh, that may be helpful to you. So number one, wives, are you submitting and supporting the man God gave to lead and protect you? Second, wives, have you fulfilled your role as completer in your marriage? Wives, have you done these things tenderly and with respect? And ladies, wives, if you don't know how to do that, raise your hand and get help. It's who we are. It's what the church does, and we wanna help you. Okay, fellas, you ready? It's about to be husband time. And just so you know, Paul does twice as many verses on husbands as he does on wives, okay? So it's about to get real, and we're gonna talk about what the expectation is from the scriptures for the husband. So let's read it. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. And so guys, I would just tell you, there is a weight and a standard here that is incredibly high and I would say higher than even your wives. As you think about leading your homes and leading your families, you need to feel and see the weight in scripture of that. So I'm gonna give you three S's as well, fellas, in this. So the first one is that you are to be, to serve, to be servant-hearted. You are to be sacrificial. You're to sacrifice for the sake of your bride. And that means so many of us, man, I love to have fun. I love adventure, hunt, fish, uh, play sports, all that kind of stuff. But there are times when I have to give up that stuff. I have to sacrifice, personal sacrifice for the good of what's happening in our home. We know that, but it's important for us to keep talking with our spouse, keep working out what's the right rhythm for me to be able to go do that and serve at the house. And the last S is that it's sanctify. And so that passage goes on to say that the word of God sanctifies us. Other places in scripture, that's what God's word does. So husbands, as you're being sanctified by the word, what's happening is there's an environment in your home where your wife is also being sanctified. Okay, now, she has a responsibility before the Lord to grow in her own relationship with the Lord but when you're leading well and doing right, having spiritual conversations, she gets caught up in that environment and she grows and she is set apart. So serve, sacrifice, and sanctify. 
And so it's a high call for the husbands in this. So high that I need to remind you, if I can, of your job description. So many times we hear this and see this in a wedding, but I wanna go back to 1 Corinthians 13, four through eight, and remind you, if your job is to love your bride, here's your job description. Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And so guys, your job description, right, is to love and honestly to die. Because Christ sacrificed his life for the church. That's your job description. So I'm gonna read some statements to the husbands in here, and then I'm gonna ask you a similar question to what I asked the girls. So number one, husbands, are you intentionally or unintentionally, I'm sorry, husbands, you are intentionally or unintentionally leading your wives and family toward an outcome, whether you know it or not. And most of the guys that I know in here have a plan for every part of their life, their business, their golf game, their trips, but they don't have a plan for their family. And I would say stop with your bride and figure out what's our plan, where are we going, how are we gonna do that so that we can experience the blessing that obedience brings to God's word. So here's your question, fellas. Do you know where you're leading your wife and family and how you're doing in that role? Secondly, husbands, your wife's initial response to hearing scriptures called to submit to you is directly tied to how you're serving, sacrificing, and leading her. If your marriage is not going well, chances are you're not leading well. There are some exceptions to that at times, but as a general rule, that is happening. So if your wife's not flourishing, you're likely not leading well. If you don't know whether your wife is flourishing, I promise you, you're not leading well, right? Ask the question. How are we doing? Trish and I, in our early days, would uh, every week when we were learning the skills, we would sit on the couch every Sunday night and say, uh, hey, how did we do this week, scale of one to 10? And she'd give me a number. And I was always two, two numbers above where she was, okay? And then we would, okay, on a one to 10, how are we doing in our marriage? I had to do that discipline in my life to make sure I was thinking about our plan for our family. So is your wife, second question, flourishing under your servant, sacrificial leadership? And the third one is this, husband, submission by a wife does not mean silence toward your passivity or sin. A godly man invites his wife to be his helper and completer by speaking up and sharpening him. Scripture never says for the husband to demand submission from his wife. So guys, if you are in here and you are demanding that your wife submit to you, you're already in trouble. And so raise your hand and let us come alongside and help. And the question is this, husbands, have you invited your wife to be a completer and made it easy for her to do so? So I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. So Rob Berry, who did, who did the announcements today, 
We're great friends, we've been partners in ministry for years. Once a month or so, Rob comes into my office and he says, hey, I just wanna remind you, when you admonish me, that tells me you love me. And do you know how easy it is for me if I see Rob having a bad moment at work or with somebody, just to go, hey, Rob, that wasn't your best moment? Man, he's like, oh, thank you, let's talk through it or whatever. That's what you need to tell your spouses. Folks, we all wanna walk with Christ deeply and the person that ought to be able to help you the most is living in the house with you. And so if that's not happening, you need to ask those questions. So men, raise your hand because we're not taught how to do this. Some of you guys know my story. I had a, not a very good model for a dad and they don't teach that in college, how to be a good dad, how to be a great husband. And so raise your help hand and get help from people who are down the road a little bit for you. And the best news of all of this is if you want to live according to God's design in Ephesians, if you raise your hand and you tell the Lord, hey, I, don't, I can't do this, I don't know how, there is a supernatural ability from the Holy Spirit to help you do that. When you become a believer, the Holy Spirit gives you that supernatural ability to overcome your deficiencies. And so let me finish with finishing this passage right here. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife even as himself. And the wife must see it that she respects her husband. Husbands love wives' respect. Husbands die, wives submit. There's your summary for marriage in Ephesians. And so Trish and I, uh, another area we had some conflict years ago. This is the only one where she was a 10 on one side and I was a 10 on the other. Other than that, we've been able to work together uh, to kind of figure that out. So we were heading to Africa. Watermark was starting to take Africa trips. The elders came and asked me if I would go to the Congo uh, with them. And I'm like, I mean, I almost said, yes, yes, yes. I thought, better go check with the wife. This will be easy, right? I get home and Trisha does what she always does. She is an info guru. Help me. I love information. It helps me make a decision. And she got on the tra all the travel websites. And there was a level five ban to the Congo. And she goes, uh-uh, you're, you're not going to Congo, right? And I'm like, oh, but I really want to. I think it's important for my job. And we went, but we were both tens. And so we raised our hand, we got help. We went to the elders at Watermark, help us make this decision, 10, 10. And we're still stuck. And at the end of the day, I just felt like God cared more about the unity of my marriage than about me getting to go to the Congo. Now here's the great story in that. So I committed, I didn't wear her out on this, but I committed that I was gonna pray every day that God would soften her so that I could, or come off of her, kind of her position so that I could go to Congo, okay? And so I didn't say anything to her, I just started praying. About nine or 10 months later, we're on a walk, we're not even talking about ministry, and Trish just goes out of nowhere. I think you're good to go to Congo. You know what's crazy about that? It was so much more dangerous the year than I went than it was the year before, right? But it was the right thing. 
because it valued the unity of our marriage for us to do that. So you keep working together with your spouse to work through those things. And so marriage, there's a lot of room for selfishness, independence in there, but if you've got two godly people who are in willing submission to one another, it is a glory to God, it's fun, and it's engaging and sharpening, and it is awesome when it's done according to God's design. Okay, well, we don't have a whole lot of time here, so we're gonna jump really quickly to six, chapter six, one through four, and just talk a little bit about parenting. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. That's Old Testament uh, blessing and New Testament blessing. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And we don't have time to go into it. And I wish we did. I took a shot at Derek first hour. I think I'm gonna do it again is he gave me one week, 35 to 40 minutes, to do this passage, and some teachers take 12 weeks to do this passage, right? And so we have got a parenting conference coming, okay, where we're gonna do a whole weekend, and we're gonna unpack all of the stuff around parenting here uh, early in next year. So put that just kinda in the back of your mind for what's gonna happen. But I will tell you the most helpful thing that Trish and I learned is we put together a little formula Okay, that kind of helped us. Anytime our kids weren't exhibiting kind of the, the, the character and behavior that we wanted, we would ask ourselves four things. We would say, are we modeling? That's number one. Okay, are we modeling what we want our kids to do? Secondly, have we trained our kids in what our expectations are and what the scripture says? And I will tell you, I have to work hard to communicate clearly so often our kids didn't do what we wanted them to do because I didn't communicate clearly and I had to ask for their forgiveness. So model, train, pray. Pray it in. Whatever that is that you want your kids to do, don't forget to pray about it and ask God to go to work on your behalf. And the last is trust. Model, train, pray, trust. And after you've done those things, it's God's business, right? We have... Uh, less control that we think in parenting and more impact than we think in our parenting. Proverbs 22.6 just says, train up a child in the way that he should go and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So let me summarize, if I can, this passage for you. Just right here. Just talks about what we've got. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Fathers, encourage, discipline, and instruct your kids in the ways of the Lord. And I wanted you to see it like this with the indention because every single one of them has the phrase, as to the Lord. And so that's the first place we, we go back to that model of Christ and the church is the model for how we're supposed to live out these relationships. And so let me give you some practical things. I've said several times today, if your marriage is in trouble or your parenting is struggling, man, raise your hand. Let us help you. It's what the church does. If your marriage is in trouble, would you take the first step and would you show up at Reengage on Monday night 
And it doesn't matter whether you just need a tune-up on your marriage or you need to resurrect your marriage. We have had so many stories of complete transformation come out of re-engage over the years. It's the right step. And if you don't want to commit to 16 weeks or 20 weeks, whatever it ends up being, just show up one night and ask God to show you what he wants you to do. It's a great step. There's a great book out right now that our community group is doing that I've been really encouraged by, and it's called Cherish by a guy named Gary Thomas. And if you haven't read that book, I would just tell you, just do what that book says, and it will help you. I mean, it's been so enlightening for me as I've read through that book. So those are some things that we can do. And so I wanna go back to Tom and Meg's testimony. As they started to understand God's design, here's what they did. They admitted their brokenness, like we don't have it together. We don't understand God's design for marriage. And they learned God's design from his word and from other people, and they let other people in. And I can't imagine this play. I was the women's director for the first two years at City Bridge. What kind of disaster do you think that was? And we found Meg at Dallas before they could get, get her, and we got her up here. And I can't imagine if their marriage hadn't gotten right what we would be missing out on as a church. I can't imagine because of what she brings to this place. They have been an amazing blessing. And so I'll close with this. A healthy marriage a healthy family is the most important thing we can do for a healthy church and a healthy nation and a healthy world. It'll be slow over time, but I promise you, if we start living like this, the outside world's gonna go, I want, give me some of that. I wanna do that. And they're, you're gonna get to tell them about Jesus and God's design for marriage. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.